Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Ted Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome. Thank you for joining me again today. We are going to be continuing in our Oaks of Righteousness Discipleship Program today, and today we're going to look into Lesson 5 of Level 1. We're going to talk about the sapling stage today, what I'm calling the sapling stage. We're looking at this as a ministry tool for Christian discipleship in level one in somewhat of an overview, drawing from and correlating to an oak tree developmental stages in the life cycle of an oak tree. In lesson one, we looked at germination, where the brand new seed takes form and actually comes alive as a new tree. And we see that as a brand new baby Christian when someone believes the gospel and becomes born again. In lesson two, we looked at the root system, the root development, and how absolutely critical that is as the very next stage of developing any sturdy, healthy oak tree. Then in lesson three, we talked about the sprouting development, where the growth would begin upward, where they would then begin to grow forward and upward. Then in lesson four, we looked at the seedling development, the slow growth that is fed by water, nutrients, and sunshine, and how vital and critical the stage is. The seedling continues to develop and sprout upward in its growth, and one day it begins to break through the ground as a tender plant with a small, sensitive, and slender trunk. Now it enters the sapling stage. At this stage, the developing tree needs all the care it can get. This stage is also critical in its development, and much has to happen here for it to grow to maturity. Let's consider a few key points at this stage. The development is relatively slow, but sound. Now that varies in the different type of plant we're talking about, but here, we're looking at the oak trees developed. That development will be relatively slow, but sound. The tree now needs all the help it can get. The tree is tender and sensitive, but must develop the ability to stand strong in order to become a mature tree. Thus, the development of the bark must happen along in this stage. This is the stage where times can get tough and difficult things can happen as the tree continues to grow. Now the tree has to learn to face the weather and all of the elements of weather and life that it was protected from when it was newly forming and underground. Thus, a sturdy growth is necessary. Let's see what God's Word has to tell us about this next stage in the Christian's growth. Just as a quick review, for baby Christians, those that were in the rooting or seedling stages, we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, we'll read it again. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby 
if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. So the instructions here and the important diet for those just born again is the sincere milk of the word of God. Just like Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 33-32, continue, stay, remain, be rooted in my word, God's word. You need the pure, simple word of God at this stage. Read it and read it again and read it again and read it again and start from Genesis all the way through Revelation and read it again. That's where growth as a Christian begins. But now it is continuing. Just like the tree's seedling is tender, it's only begun to really grow. The oak tree has much more growing to do to become sturdy and mature. So now the sapling will continue its growth upward more and more, more and more visible, higher and higher, and stronger and stronger. I want to turn next to Isaiah. And I want to read in Isaiah chapter 28, verses 9 through 13. Whom will he teach knowledge and whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breasts? For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. Now he's in essence here, speaking this as a judgment against them because they wouldn't do that. But the point is, here in this context, we're learning how to grow from babies. He's saying here, from those that are weaned from milk, from those that are drawn from the breast, then they need line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. What does that mean? It's talking about growth. Let's say similarly from a baby. Line upon line is talking about going through the Bible, not skipping verses or books, reading through. It's talking about a thorough study or reading plans, perhaps. Maybe you follow a reading plan all the way through the Bible in a year or something along those lines. It's talking about verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. It also is learning how to connect the dots or the puzzle pieces together. In other words, the more you study and read the Bible, the more you will see this happening. The more you'll read something in, let's say, the book of Psalms that will connect to something Moses wrote in the Torah or connect to something that you read in the New Testament, in the Gospels or whatever. You'll begin to see the more you will read and study the Word of God, the more this begins to happen. So the more you are growing, the Holy Spirit, teaches us the word of God. Precept upon precept is speaking of maybe a constitution, a commandment, an ordinance. In other words, it's giving the explanation and the understanding and the application of how it teaches us and how it applies to us living today. Here a little, there a little. In other words, little by little, not all at once. 
It's a lifelong process. Let's look at it from a baby's growth. The baby will begin with nothing but milk, just like Peter had said for the newborn Christians. But then a baby needs to start eating something at a certain point. So when the baby is ready, usually around maybe six months old, you would begin to introduce very soft foods to the baby. You would introduce pureed baby food to them. And that will get them learning how to swallow, how to eat with their mouth and with the the portions of the swallowing process that God has built into us. Then soon after, you might introduce to them soft chewables, like maybe soft bananas, little bits of bananas that they can begin to learn to chew with, soft crackers like the goldfish type cracker or something that's very soft that they can begin to develop the chewing function in their mouth and understand how to chew food. Sometime a little bit later, you introduce them to soft vegetables, mashed potatoes, for instance, that are very soft or creamy, that have no lumps in them, no hard pieces in them. Soft vegetables, pureed vegetables, maybe soft things that, that are a little bit beyond being pureed, but still have nothing that would choke the baby. And then you begin to introduce them to more and more texture. As the child is able to manage and chew and swallow properly without choking, then you begin to move them up to regular food. This whole development is attained step by step. It is a process. It's no different with the new Christian, but the key is feeding on the word of God. The food is the main thing and how it is administered. A parent will not set a stake in front of a six-month-old baby. You can't do that. Why? The baby can't handle that. They probably, after maybe 18 months, two years, can be able to handle some form of steak. If it's maybe soft, you can begin to introduce them to certain meats, hamburger meat, uh, soft-cooked chicken, etc., some of those types of things later on, but not when they're early in their stages of learning to eat. The first two years or so, they will need soft foods, and they will grow from there grow in their ability to handle harder textures, to handle more and more. The process is critical to develop the ability to handle more, to train the mouth to chew and swallow more, to increase the texture. And it must be done slowly and under a monitoring of the child. Time and diligence are required and consistency. It's the same with the Word of God. It requires time and consistency and diligence in the reading and study. It's the same with Christians in the growth of the Christian walk as a disciple of Jesus. So the Word of God gives guidance to us on how to grow. At the sapling stage, it's all about growing and developing strength for the maturity and maturing stages yet to come. So let's look next at Second Peter chapter 1. And I want to read Second Peter chapter 1, 
verses 1 through 11. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So Peter first here confirms who we are in Christ and what abilities and privileges we have been granted. Then beginning in verse 3, he talks about by knowing Jesus, we have been given everything we need for life and godliness, everything needed to grow, everything needed to thrive and survive everything needed to reach maturity. It is found in Jesus Christ, and we read about it and learn about it and grow from it in the Word of God. And we are privileged with so many great and precious promises. For instance, let's just name a few. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. And then it goes on and it talks about many blessings that are granted to us because the Lord is our shepherd. Jesus is with us always, even to the very end of the age. He promised right before he left the earth to go back to heaven in the ascension. Those are just two of the many. Through these, we are sharers, partakers in the nature of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul mentions how we are being made into the image of Jesus Christ. From one level to the next level, similarly to a ladder, rung to rung to rung. Now, Peter defines for us the rungs on the ladder. Here in this passage that we just read from Peter, it defines for us these rungs that are on the ladder to grow to maturity. In light of these, he stresses that we must in simultaneous conjunction with what we've been given and who we are, we must also give or add or increase at the same time. With all diligence, 
great and earnest effort. We must work at it with eager and careful attention. Peter here gives a stairway, so to speak, for Christian growth. Step by step, rung by rung. He is talking about adding, adding to our faith. In addition, notice the foundation or the base is our faith in Jesus Christ, built upon the rock of Jesus. It all starts from that germination, from the point of salvation. Once a person is saved, once a person is born again, then Peter is now talking to you. The first rung to climb or to add on this ladder is virtue. He says to add to your faith virtue. The very next thing is virtue. That's speaking of excellence, goodness, valor, good quality of any kind, good quality of character, good quality of motives, good quality of your heart and your mind, moral goodness, moral excellence, moral modesty or impurity in your mind, goodness of thought, feelings, and actions. This is what this is speaking of. And God is the one who cleanses us and brings that past. The second rung, so to speak, to climb or to add, once we've added to our faith virtue, then we now are to add to virtue the next step, knowledge. Knowledge is understanding and intelligence, knowledge of the word of God and the things of God, continuing in God's word, as Jesus said in John chapter 8, in Second Peter 3.18, the very book that we've been reading. Peter ends this book with this reminder and this desire that we grow in 2 Peter 3.18, that we grow. How does he want us to grow? In, in the fixed position of grace and knowledge of Jesus. The grace and knowledge, they go together. This is found through reading and study of God's word. That's how we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Part of this is also allowing the word of God to be that which leads us, that which corrects us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it speaks of that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, says this, But you, he's speaking to Timothy, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, the word of God, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So right here, we are told the power of the word of God working in us. It will give us doctrine. It will teach us truth. It will reprove us. It will correct us. And it will not just correct us, but it will instruct us in the right way. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, 
He says this, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So here the psalmist and Paul to Timothy are both saying the same thing. The way to correct wrong terms, wrong behavior, when we slip up, when we mess up after we've been saved, when we do fall back into something after we've been saved, there's a way to correct that wrong term. There's a way to correct that. There's a way to get back on the right track again. And it is by taking heed to God's word, letting God's word correct us, letting it instruct us, letting it teach us, and letting it lead us, letting it guide us back to the right path. So the third rung then that we would climb or add to our faith, virtue and then knowledge, now the third rung that Peter gives us is temperance, or what's defined in some Bibles as self-control. It means the same thing. It's talking about self-control, the ability to control yourself, the ability to rein in desires, thoughts, etc., that you should not be having or that are in excess. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 about bringing every thought captive, for instance, checking on yourself and keeping yourself in check learning how to rein in those things that are not of God. This refers to learning how to master your own fleshly desires and appetites. You know, a lot of people try dieting, for instance, and they, there are different diets and some they try to abstain from some things or to increase or to focus on some other things. And so you train your body, you deny your body certain things because you believe that these are better for you. You believe that this will make you healthier or stronger or more energetic or whatever the case may be. So you put your body under some subjection and you learn to rein in your desire for sweets, for instance, or for carbs, for instance, or whatever the diet is. And so you're teaching your body self-discipline, self-control. It's the same kind of thing in the Christian walk, and we do it through the Word of God, through practicing in its application to our lives, through prayer and fasting. Fasting literally is where we deny our flesh a certain time period, a certain meal or whatever of food, learning to give that time over to the Lord in prayer and fasting. And fasting is something that is spoken of in Scripture. And there are many different examples of fasting in Scripture. So that's a part of the Christian's life. Matter of fact, Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. But there are times and seasons when a fasting period, whether it be a meal a day or you know a certain type of food or perhaps three days or whatever it may be, whatever you can do, each person is different. Some have health conditions and other things. But prayer and fasting is another way to bring your body under subjection when you are yielding that time to the Lord instead and letting the Lord work in you through his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit. In this, you are learning to make better choices for yourself. You're learning to rein in other desires and thoughts and 
habits that you no longer need or that you need to be bringing into moderation. For instance, just take a simple example in the life of most of us. Movies or entertainment or television, how that applies to us may be the amount of time that we spend with it. Are we spending too much time in movies or entertainment? Are we playing video games or whatever too much, too long in our day? What about the type of entertainment or movies or TV that we're watching? Is it glorifying God? Is it feeding our spirit inside in the things of God that would lead us to live right? Or is it directing us in a way away from the Lord? That would be a way to rein those things in. Maybe you don't watch that show anymore, or you don't go to this type of movie anymore, etc. You're learning to evaluate and examine and base your decisions on the quality of something, whether it's entertainment, whether it's dressing, how you dress, whatever it may be. It's learning to rein in those thoughts and those desires and bring yourself into self-discipline to follow after the things that are of good quality, learning to squelch prior appetites and overcome them. The fourth rung to climb or to add, Peter says, is patience. Understandably, the next level from self-control. Patience refers to staying under pressure or under something with constancy, not being wishy-washy, not Well, I did make a commitment. I'm not going to watch this type of movie, but for this one, I'll just do it this time. No, patience is where you're staying under with constancy. You're not being wishy-washy. You're not saying, well, yeah, I really do love the Lord and I want his ways, but I'm going to make an exception over here and I'm going to let myself just go and do this, this one thing or whatever. Patience refers to the staying power to stay the course. No, I love Jesus, and whatever I'm giving up for him, he is worth it, and he is going to bless me for it, and I'm going to enjoy something better, either now or down the road. It's cheerful endurance. It's being able to undergo something, whether it's undergoing suffering, undergoing your own discipline of yourself, undergoing affliction, whatever it may be. Staying the course and being constant, even when the going gets tough. You stick it out. The fifth rung to climb or to add in this ladder is godliness. This is speaking of holiness, righteous living, holy living, piety. This is a reverence for God proven by our lifestyle that honors him. Respect for him and for his sacred things of the scriptures and the things the scriptures speak of. The sixth wrong to climb or to add is brotherly kindness this is a phileo type of love love for the family of jesus love for the brethren it's called in scripture fellow christians having a love for fellow christians love and kindness toward others living and helping others doing things that will benefit them and help them to grow doing things and living a lifestyle that will help other Christians grow in their faith solidly and to full maturity in Jesus Christ. And the seventh rung to climb or to add is charity, love, or agape. It's the agape type of love. 
The sixth rung talked about phileo, which is a kind, brotherly type of love. Agape is the highest form of love. That is the self-sacrificing kind of love. The highest level. This is the God kind of love. It's the kind of love that loves another so much that they will do whatever is necessary. That that person will endure whatever. That person will suffer and sacrifice whatever is necessary for the object of his or her love. John 3.16 speaks of this kind of love. For God so agape the world. For God so loved the world that what? He gave. He went to the depth of that love. He went to the highest sacrifice necessary for the object of his love. The object of his love is the world, every person in it. So much so that he willingly gave his only begotten son to die in their place so that they could believe in him, receive the benefit of that, and be a part of his family. That's agape love. It's self-sacrificing. The greatest evidence or proof of this kind of love is God himself and what he did, what he gave for sinful man. Romans 5, 8 proves that to us because Paul writes and he says that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. He loved us so much even while we were still in our sins. I want to begin to draw us to a close by considering these points from the verses we read in 2 Peter chapter 1. Notice the benefit of adding these things, of climbing this ladder, so to speak, even more and more to abundance. In other words, you don't just add a little bit. You keep on adding. You make it even more and more abundant at every rung, at every step. Verse 8 tells us that you will neither be barren. In other words, you will not be kept from bearing fruit and producing a harvest. You will not be a dud seed. You will not be a dud or a diseased oak tree. You will not be inactive or lazy. You will not be unprofitable. You will neither be barren nor will you be unfruitful, unable to produce fruit or fruitless. You will not be in the stage where you would not produce what you should be producing. In other words, in regard to a Christian, there are times when a Christian has been born again for a particular length of time and at that age in their Christian walk, they should be producing fruit. Some are, some are not. Some of that may be dependent upon what Peter is telling us here because he says if we're adding these rungs, if we're climbing this ladder, so to speak, if we're adding these things to our faith, then we will be in a state where we can produce fruit. This stage is not about time as much as it is about devotion and effort and seriousness in their diligence. Serious following of these steps to thoroughly grow and develop properly. 
in the knowledge, the precise and correct understanding of knowing Jesus, having that insight and that discernment to understand Jesus, growing as his disciple. Without these proper growth steps, Peter tells us in verse 9, that that person who does not follow this will be blind, nearsighted, unable to see clearly, and unable to understand truly. And that person will have forgotten what God so graciously did for him and what we owe him, so to speak. Specifically, that we were purged, we were washed thoroughly from our old sins. Our old lifestyle and its bondage and addictions are gone, and we are made brand new. These are required for proper growth, like with the oak tree. It must develop the bark and the sturdiness. It must continue to grow upward healthily. It must learn to weather the elements in the storms of life. It must learn to undergo hard times, even hurricane-force winds and plummeting rain. This is the stage of serious development of growth and bark, and it's necessary to endure and to make it. It's the same with Christians. This is where the deepest and toughest growth happens. Makes us able to withstand struggles, hard times, persecution, even martyrdom. But the results are worth it because we can then endure to the end, be fruitful and abundant, be healthy in our Christian walk, and enjoy all of the benefits God has promised us as an overcomer in life. I want to continue in this stage in a second message because there's still more for us to understand about this important stage of the Christian's growth. And I pray that this has been a blessing to you thus far and that you will continue with us in the Oaks of Righteousness Discipleship Program. May God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.